Amen. What an incredible song of the gospel. I want to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. You know, last week we made the point that as we watch the news or as we look at our news feed, we just see brokenness all around us in the world in which we live. And we also made the point that the answer to the brokenness in our world is the gospel. But what does it look like to live out the gospel in this world in which we live? Like many of you, oftentimes as I'm watching the TV or again as I'm reading in my news feed, I I just feel such an incredible burden by the things that I see that are happening in our world. And I want you to know that that feeling of being burdened is, is good. However, it, it, it seems that for many of us, that burden kind of leads to a sense of helplessness. Because though we're burdened, we don't know what it is we're supposed to do. For those of us who have children, who are seeing some of the things and hearing some of the things that are going on in our world, they too can feel a burden by the things that they see, and oftentimes they don't know what to do with that burden. And as parents, well, because we don't know what to do, we don't know what to tell them. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at a passage of Scripture here in Acts chapter 15 at an example of a time in history when there was difficulties in the world. And I want us to see how the church handled that incredibly difficult situation. So with your Bibles open to Acts chapter 15, we begin here in verse 1, where Luke records for us, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. You see, here was the situation. Paul and Barnabas had been sharing the gospel in their first missionary journey, having been sent from Antioch. And many many Gentiles had come to faith in Jesus Christ. They had responded to the message of the gospel. Now, the word Gentile simply means non-Jews. And as some of the Jews in Judea had heard about these Gentiles receiving the gospel, they made their way there to Antioch and began to spread this false truth that a person couldn't really be saved unless they had been circumcised like the rest of the Jews. And so you see in verse 2, therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them. And to command them to keep the law of Moses. So there were two different issues here. There were these Judaizers who had come to Antioch and had proclaimed the false truth that you couldn't really be saved unless you had been circumcised. But then in Jerusalem, there were these Pharisees who had become believers in Christ. 
But they were having a hard time uh, not mandating these Gentiles to be circumcised and to follow the law of Moses. They thought, in a sense, that they should become Jews if they truly wanted to be a part of the Christian faith. And so Luke tells us in verse 6, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. Now there are four things that we're going to be able to learn from this early church about how to handle difficult times, about how to live the gospel when times certainly seem to be difficult. And the first thing we can learn here in the text is to lean into the issue. Don't ignore it. You see, for the early church, there were a few things, huge things that were at stake. One was an understanding of the gospel because the gospel was being perverted by these Judaizers who were preaching this false message. Secondly was the unity of the church. As Gentiles were coming into faith in Christ, the Jews and Gentiles needed to be together in the church. And third of all, the church's witness to the community. Because if these new believers and these uh, older believers couldn't get along with each other, what kind of message would that send about the gospel to the community, the world in which they lived? And so the, the church leaders decided that they needed to call a meeting. They needed to bring people together. They chose not to ignore the issue, but to lean into it. Oftentimes, you and me, we, well, we prefer, it's just kind of our nature to ignore issues. We have a tendency to just kind of hope that if we ignore things for long enough, then they'll just go away and everything will get back to normal. But to ignore issues or to leave them unresolved. And to ignore issues is to deny ourselves the opportunity to see how God is at work in our lives and in our world. You know, it's really very similar to what we talked about with the COVID-19 pandemic. Because as Christians, we believe that God works all things together for his good. We believe that God doesn't waste anything in our lives. And so if that's true, then whatever issue it is that we face, we must lean into that issue knowing that God desires to use this to shape us and to mold us into who he desires us to be. But we can never do that. If we just ignore the issue, we must lean into it. Let's continue the text in verse 7. When there had been much dispute, there was quite a debate among those who had gathered. Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now Peter is referencing uh, uh, something that happened in Acts chapter 10. When God burdened his heart to go and visit a man named Cornelius and his family who were Gentiles, who were seekers of God, and explain to them the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, for you and me, we think of Acts 10 and Acts 15. Well, that couldn't have been very long ago, but many scholars suggest that that probably was 10 years ago. So Peter stands up here in this group that's having this debate, and he says, listen, guys, this is not a new issue. This is something we've been through before. In fact, 10 years ago, you remember when I went to Cornelius and his family, those Gentiles, and they received the gospel. In verse 8, he said, so God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them 
by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Peter says, if you remember, God granted them the Holy Spirit. They didn't have to be circumcised to receive the Spirit, but God, by his grace, bestowed the Holy Spirit upon them as they trusted in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so in verse 10, he asks the question, Now therefore, why do you test God? By putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. He says, listen, it's by grace through faith that we are saved. Why are we burdening these Gentiles with something that we weren't able to live up to ourselves? And in verse 11, he says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So Peter stands up and makes a very bold statement, and he says, listen, guys, you got it wrong. God has already taught us by our own experience, but also by the Gentiles 10 years ago coming to faith in Christ, that salvation is by grace and through faith, and that's it. And I love actually how Peter words the end of that uh, statement in verse 11 when he says, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary on this passage, he says, you know, the old Peter would have said, they can be saved in the same manner as us. But Peter, who had been humbled by his Lord, Peter, who has grown much in his faith since the time that he walked with uh, Jesus while he was on the earth. Peter says, listen, we can be saved in the same manner as they. Look at verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Here's the second thing we can learn from this particular example. And that is that we need to learn to listen without interruption. Remember, there was great debate among the people, but when Peter stood up and he testified of how he had seen God at work, then all of a sudden the scripture says they kept silent and they listened to what Peter had to say, and then in turn, what Paul and Barnabas would say. We need to learn to listen. You know, I've heard it said before, and I have found now, after 25 years of marriage, that marriage really is a gift from God that helps us to see how far we really are from Him, and how there's so much more of us that needs to be shaped into His likeness. One of the things as it pertains to listening that I, I began learning very early in marriage, honestly, 25 years in, I'm still learning, I'm, I'm a work in progress. But I learned really early in marriage that, that I wasn't a good listener. In fact, there would be times where I would, I would say something that would offend my wife. And I could tell that what I had said had hurt her. And of course, it would bother me when I realized that she was hurt. And so I'd ask her, I'd say, what's wrong with you? And she'd say, nothing. And I'd say, no, no, what's, what's wrong with you? And she said, no, won't worry about it. And I would continue to pester and say, no, tell me, what is wrong with you? What have I done to hurt you? And honestly, 
as she would begin to explain to me the transgression that I had committed against her. In my mind, I was articulating my defense. And as soon as she got through, in my personal opinion, I would give a highly intellectual uh, response to what she had said with the purpose of trying to get her to see just how wrong she was. Well, fellas, let me tell you, that never works. And so after hours of seeing tears and cold shoulders and, well, maybe even sometimes having to sleep on the couch, I finally began to learn, again, still a work in progress, but I began to learn that how she hears what I say is even more important than what I think I intend when I say it. We need to learn to listen without interruption. When I was the pastor at First Baptist Church in Stormville, one month we spent a whole month of Sundays doing a kind of a panel discussion series entitled The Gospel and, and then fill in the blank. One week it was the gospel and mental health issues. One week it was the gospel and gender issues. One week was the gospel and race. That was my favorite of all the ones that we did. And in fact, when I look back at all of the things that I've been a part of, that is absolutely one of the most meaningful experiences I've ever been a part of. Because as a congregation, as we heard our panelists talk about some of the things that they had experienced growing up, you could have heard a feather fall on the floor. These people that we knew from the community, these people that we loved and had the greatest respect for, as we stopped and listened and heard their stories, it absolutely changed the way we saw the world. We need to be better listeners. And here in the early church, they learned to listen without interruption. Look at verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered. By the way, James was the half-brother of Jesus. You think people listened to him? James answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who were called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. So James, after listening without interruption, now he begins to share a passage from the prophetic book of Amos. 
And in other words, James is saying, listen, when you think about it, when you come to look at the Scripture, God has already spoken on this issue. It is His desire that Gentiles be a part of the family of God. So here's the third thing we can learn from this difficult example. And that is, let the Bible speak. You know, a passage of Scripture that we, we reference a lot is the Paul's letter to Timothy where he says, For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You've heard me quote many times uh, Henry Blackaby, a hero of mine, who who says that we need to look at our circumstances through the lenses of the Word of God and not look at the Word of God through the lenses of our circumstances. When you let the Word speak, when you really begin to look at the text and as it pertains to the issues that we face today, for instance, with the issue of racism, when you look at the Scripture, it is clear that racism is a sin. Because Genesis 1 verse 27 teaches us that we are all created in the image of God. In Psalm 139, we see where David cries out and he says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, we see this incredible picture of how one day people from every tribe and nation and people and tongue will stand around the throne of God and praise Him. And that's why our mission as a church, our mission as Christian is to make disciples of all nations because that's what God desires. And when Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer to pray thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's a part of what we're praying for. That people from every tribe and nation and people and tongue will gather around the throne of God in worship. Listen, the heart of the gospel is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let the Bible speak. Now there's some responsibility for you and me there, isn't it? And that is to know the Bible. You see, the psalmist begins the Psalter in Psalm 1 by saying, How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. You see, as Christians... It is important because as we learned last week, it's not easy to carry out the mission of Christ, but it's important that we stand as firmly planted trees, a people who know God and are known by Him, a people who know what we believe and why we believe it, 
so that as issues and situations come up in our world, we stand firm in the gospel. Now let's close. In verse 19, James continues, and he says, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who were turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. Now that sounds a little strange, I know, but let me give you some context here. You see, James was saying, listen, it is true. Salvation is by grace through faith. That's the gospel. And so he's making the decision that, listen, these Gentiles don't have to follow through circumcision. They don't have to follow all of the rituals, the sacrifices, the festivals. They don't have to become Jews in order to be a part of the kingdom of God. God has saved them by grace through faith. But understanding that many of these Gentiles are coming from pagan backgrounds, the things listed here in verse 20 were a part of that. Now, obviously, sexual immorality is a moral precept for sure, but that was a part of the pagan worships and rituals. And so uh, James is saying, listen, don't don't bring that into the worship of the Lord. That's, That's not of God. And then the reference to abstaining from things polluted by idols and from things strangled and from blood, that's a reference to meat that was sacrificed to idols that then would be sold in the marketplaces. And so James is saying, listen, just, just, just don't, don't be eating that meat. That would be a stumbling block to the Jews. James is concerned about the unity of the church. And so he says there in verse 21, Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So James makes the decision, listen, we are not going to impose our traditions. We're not going to impose on these Gentile converts circumcision or that they have to dot every I and cross every T. We know And we acknowledge that salvation is by grace through faith. And they are welcome into the family of God. So the fourth thing that we learn from this particular example is the importance of living the gospel. You see, as I said earlier, there was a lot at stake. An understanding of the gospel was at stake. The unity of the church was at stake. And the witness of the church to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the community was at stake. They had to get this right. They could not ignore the issue. They had to lean into it, and they did. And they listened without interruption. And through listening, they were able to learn what God was doing and how he was at work. They let the Bible speak. The Bible was their source for understanding all of the things that were happening in their world. The situation that they were dealing with. The Bible spoke to those issues and they followed the Bible. And as a result, they lived the gospel, which is the message of reconciliation. 
Because as you and I were uh, separated from God because of our sin, God in his love for us didn't choose to allow us to be separated, but came to the earth, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to the earth in order to reconcile us to the Father by giving his life for us. And being raised again on the third day so that when we place our faith in Jesus, we can be reconciled to him. You know, a lot has been talked about recently about the need for change in our country and the need for change in our world. And there's no question, there is a need for change. And oftentimes as Christians, we wonder, what is our role in change. How do we bring change in our world? Listen, real change will never come by headlines or highlight reels, but by God working through individual believers who live out the gospel in the world that he's placed us in. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we bow before you this morning and we praise you for you are almighty God. And as we've seen in today's text, you really have provided everything we need for life and godliness. Father, I pray that you find in us a people who are willing to yield ourselves unto you to live the life of the gospel in this world that you've placed us in. Father, when you created us, understanding that you have a plan for our lives before we were ever born, you knew, you knew what would be happening today. You have placed us here You have saved us. You have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Help us, O God, to be faithful and live for you. A city on a hill to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify you in heaven. Help us, O God, to learn what we need to learn And help us in your power to live the life you have always wanted us to live. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Listen, how has God been speaking to you today? Maybe you're watching this morning and and you would admit, listen, I'm not a Christian. I, I don't have that same kind of understanding of hope in the world. Listen, change can begin with you. Will you repent of your sin and will you trust in Jesus Christ, God's gift of salvation? Will you trust in him as Savior and Lord? God offers salvation by grace through faith. He knows we're not perfect and he welcomes us all anyway by grace through faith. Or maybe you're watching this morning and you are a believer And you've been struggling with this question, what do I do? What do I do with this burden that I feel? Listen to me. Burdens are oftentimes used in Scripture as invitations from God to join Him in His mission. 
Will you lean in? Will you listen without interruption? Will you let the word speak? And will you live the gospel? I want to encourage you right now. Call that number that you see at the bottom of the screen. There are people who are waiting to talk and to pray with you.